Welcome to the Synthetic Biology Podcast, brought to you by the UK Centre for Mammalian Synthetic Biology at the University of Edinburgh. In this episode, I talk to Dr. Renos Fracudis, manager of the Edinburgh Genome Foundry, a research facility specialised in the assembly of DNA constructs. These are artificially constructed fragments of DNA that can be transplanted into a target cell or tissue. These constructs contain a gene sequence of interest that can then be expressed in the host. Renos explains how he, his team, and some very impressive robots are involved in a diverse range of research projects, from producing viral vectors for gene therapy to yeast-based production of high-value chemicals for healthcare products. The Edward Genome Foundry is a specialized research facility. We specialize in the assembly of large DNA fragments, and to do that, we use um, a highly automated platform. We have um, the ability to build large genetic constructs, and we do that for both academic and industrial customers. Our customers are able to equip cells or even whole organisms with a new or improved functions. It's a national facility. It's open access. We are supporting the um, construction of a large variety of constructs for different uh, projects from viral vectors for gene therapy all the way to yeast-based production of high-value chemicals for consumer and healthcare products. The platform has been recently used to generate constructs that are used uh, to develop novel assays for SARS-CoV-2 for the COVID uh, pandemic. So as you can see, we have a, a huge variety of things that we can do and it can touch all sorts of science and that's that's the important thing that people need to to realize that it's that the foundry can offer something to everyone who uses synthetic dna and has complex constructs ah okay so when you say um highly automated as well i'm imagining a lot of robots yeah exactly the heart of the platform is a three robotic arms that they are moving plates from one instrument to the other these are um, routinely found in the automotive industry, so it's the same type, but they have uh, their fingers are um, a bit different and they are uh, specialized to handle multi-well plates. But these not, are not the only robots that we have in the foundry. We have also robots around them that they do a lot of the basic works that um, scientists do in, in a molecular lab using a pipette. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting. I can imagine it speeds up. The process a lot as well like having done a lot of pipetting in my phd <laughs> i wouldn't want to do it on a sort of industrial scale no that's that's exactly one of the things that the the foundry uh, does very very well so to give you an example a very good postdoc would be probably produce two plates per week so this is 296 well plates per week of constructs the way that the foundry is working at the moment, we are able to produce approximately 10 plates per week. So we use a combination of the robots, with, we have uh, two or three members of staff, but we can switch to a fully automated uh, schedule and that would allow us to do 20 or more plates per week. So you can quickly see how you're going from 192 constructs in a week that a postdoc can do to something like 1,920 constructs per week if you have the platform running fully automated. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I guess it frees up the 
postdoc as well or technicians or you know whoever would normally be doing the lab work it frees them up to work on other things that I guess the robots can't do. Exactly I mean a lot of these uh, processes that we do in the foundry they're very time consuming they're very repetitive the, the, also the problem that comes with uh, time consuming and repetitive is that uh, the person doing the work will get bored and it's where mistakes can happen Whereas um, the robots, if you program them appropriately from the beginning, they, I'm not saying the possibility of a mistake is completely eliminated, but it's uh, reduced by orders of magnitude. This is still science, so things can still go wrong and we have to be there and we have to be able to troubleshoot all these things. I have a team of people that they are all exceptional in collaboration with uh, the other members of the team. If there are problems, we are troubleshooting them. We're trying to find the best ways to, to do that. And you mentioned it a bit earlier, but I just wanted to go into maybe a bit more detail about these constructs. So what exactly you're producing in these plates? Initially, the customer comes to us with an idea. So we have a, a phase which we call project validation. So in this um, phase, what we're going to do is we're going to look into, is the project uh, feasible? Can we do it? And can we do it in the time frame that the customer wants us to do it? If yes, then um, the customer will provide us with a, a design that they have in mind, or they just have the idea. So we're, we're helping our customers with the design as well. Once this is uh, completed and we have agreed on the design and we have designed all the constructs, and to do that, something we're very proud of in the foundry is the high capacity we have for um, computational biology. So we have dedicated software that it's specialized to design constructs, simulate constructs, make sure that the, the different parts that they are needed to, to assemble these constructs, they are working optimally with each other optimize the different uh, constructs for expression in different organisms. So once all this is done, we're ordering the DNA parts. So a, a common misconception about the foundry is that we are synthesizing DNA. We do not synthesize DNA, we assemble DNA. So we are ordering our parts from commercial suppliers. And once these are delivered to us, we are assemble and QC the constructs on our automated platform. DNA assembly is not the only thing that the foundry can do. We can miniaturize um, reactions. So when you do a PCR reaction in, in your lab, normally it's a 10 or 20 microliter reaction. We can do that to 0.5 to 1 microliter. This is something that, especially in times like the ones we are um, experiencing right now with the pandemic, we have... Um, a severe shortage in supplies. Uh, this includes pipette tips, uh, plates, and things like that. By miniaturizing reactions, we can use less plates. We are able to reduce the volume of reagents. And as reagents are quite expensive, you can make a significant uh, saving for the researcher. We are expanding our operation to include uh, much more phenotypes. So we already have some in, in our facility. So uh, we can do micro fermentations. We have uh, a system called the uh, BioLector. We have uh, plate readers that we can do um, time courses measuring um, optical density or fluorescence. And we can do quantitative PCR. And all obviously, this is uh, all this pipetting is done using our liquid handling. So robots can be used uh, for that. Yeah, yeah. So just to jump back quickly, just to clarify on the, the phenotyping. So then that is um, just a case of, you know, you've you've made these constructs 
uh, and then it's sort of testing them in action. Yeah, so you put them, for example, uh, at the moment we don't have capability to do mammalian uh, cells because our platform does not have sterility, but this is something we're working on to, to expand to, but uh, we can do bacteria and yeast. So you insert these constructs in uh, the respective uh, host, uh, sassis, uh, and then um, you just uh, you can monitor their growth. So, for example, the system I mentioned, the BioLector, it has the ability to, to measure growth. Uh, it has the ability to measure dissolved oxygen, temperature. And if you have your production associated with a fluorescent marker, it can measure um, build up of fluorescence in, uh, in, in this culture. And we can do that in both aerobic and anaerobic um, conditions as well. So then what your role um, in the foundry? Um, it has um, quite a lot of different uh, sides, if you like. So one of the sides is uh, making sure that we're able to deliver to our customers. What's very important is um, communication. So uh, you have to communicate with people in an effective way. Uh, scientists, we are all creatures of habit. So if we're using one pipette and one kit uh, and it works, we're never going to change it because we know it and we know it very well. And that's what um, places like the Foundry is, is trying to do, is trying to, to change a little bit the mentality and see how we can uh, use our time uh, more effectively and also um, reduce cost in, in the process uh, while still um, uh, delivering high quality um, science. So I, I think it's, it's very important to... Um, have a scientist um, in, in that position who understands two different things. One, how the science works. The other side is how PI comes to me and says, look, I got this grant. I need to deliver in the next six months. Can you help me? I understand how this person uh, feels because I've been in that position before. So I can try to, to help them as effectively as uh, we can. And I think this is very, very important. Massive thanks to Reynolds for highlighting the amazing work going on at the Edinburgh Genome Foundry. Be sure to tune into future episodes of the Synthetic Biology Podcast. Our work is funded by the BBSRC, EPSRC and MRC, and the UK Research Council's Synthetic Biology for Growth Programme. Edinburgh's Genome Foundry was funded through the UK Research Council's Synthetic Biology for Growth Programme and by the BBSRC. It continues to be supported by the University of Edinburgh.